Hello everyone, I'm Javen, the Marketing and Communications Guy, and welcome, or welcome back to Impact Life Church's online experience. After the message, please take a moment to like or subscribe. But most importantly, we hope that what you hear impacts you so that you can then go and impact generations for Jesus. About um, available, and uh, I'm excited for what God wants to share with us this morning. How many of you know God's got a word for us in season? Yes, he does. And uh, so if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Timothy. Let's begin there. And uh, I guess just what I want to name this, you know, last week we talked about the second yes. And uh, this whole series that we're doing is called Available, Making Ourselves Available to God. And uh, that's something that's been the desire of my heart. Anybody else have that desire that you're saying, Lord, I, wanna, I want you to have my life. Whatever you want to do in me, through me, to reach others, Lord, I'm saying yes. And uh, that's been the biggest desire of my heart ever since, really, I can honestly say the moment that Jesus rescued me, I'm just saying when I finally got my head on straight, my life back on track, is from that moment that I had that encounter with him, I was sold out to saying, Lord, you can have my life and do whatever you want with it. I'm yours. And I know that's what we have in this church as well. We've got hungry people people in here, don't we? Yes, we do. And so this morning, we're just going to talk a little bit about that and go a little bit deeper. And so last week, as I said, we started on talking about the second yes. And this morning, what I want to discuss and chat a little bit more about with you is actually the transition. What takes place between, I guess I'll use this here right now, between my yes number one and yes number two. There's something that happens. There's a flip that takes place between yes one and yes, too. And that's what I want to talk a little bit more about this morning is what's, how does the flip happen? What looks, what does it look like in the flip? What happens in me that all of a sudden makes me going from, I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And if you've never done that, that yes is vital, right? That's what we are telling. That's our message to the world is you got to be born again. You got to say yes to Jesus, what he did on the cross for you. And I, how many of you said this first? Yes. Right, we did that, right? And what was that? Yes, man. When I met him, I came out of that grave. And when I said yes, he made me righteous. He made me holy. He looks at me now as if I've never done a thing wrong. And that all happened when the first yes. And as we read in Second Corinthians one, all the promises of God in Him are yes and. Amen. And so God needs, even though all these blessings and promises are there for the entire world, no matter where you come from, where culture you came from, that yes from God is already given to the world. When did that happen? When he sent Jesus. That's why you hear, man, when the angels came down, man, they said, man, good tidings. There's blessing on you. Goodwill between heaven and earth again. God has said his yes, and he did it in the form of Jesus. So now what God needs is he needs our yes so that we work alongside him and we hear that all of a sudden what we hear from Jesus and we say yes to him, he downloads and imparts to us a brand new being on the inside, what we would call being born again, right? And it's phenomenal. It's great then. That, that first yes is awesome, right? Again, how many of you said that first yes? And I'm thankful for that first yes. How many thankful for this Jesus that we serve? Man, I'm thankful for this. And the moment we said yes now, now what we're talking about, now there's a, something that you kind of go a little bit further into, and it requires a second yes. And that is now what we're going to discuss a little bit more in detail about this. But before I jump into this second yes, let's read 2 Timothy chapter 2 here for a moment. And I'm going to read it to you real quickly from the Amplified Bible, and then I'm going to read it to you from the message that I have on the screen. Because the Amplified really brings it out real clearly. In verse 21, it says this, uh, verse 20, In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver... But there are also utensils of wood and earthenware, 
and some for honorable and noble use, and some for menial and ignoble use. So when you're talking about in a great house, what is, what is he talking about? In a great house, is it talking about, you know, like this, this house or the house that you live in? He's talking about the kingdom of God, right? In the kingdom of God, as we see, there are different types of vessels. There are some that are used for menial tasks, and there are some that are used for honorable tasks. So now, is that just kind of go, okay, well, this is how I was born. This is where I grew up, and I guess God just wants me to do menial tasks. Is that the case? No. If you read on in verse 21, I'll just continue reading it. It says, so whoever cleanses himself. Now notice that doesn't say, oh, whoever God chooses. It now becomes a personal responsibility that I take on the inside. So whoever cleanses himself, Bible goes on to say, from what is ignoble and unclean, who separates himself from contact with contaminating and corrupting influences, will then himself be a vessel set apart and useful for honorable and noble purposes, consecrated and profitable to the master, fit and ready for any good work. Now, the decision lies where? It lies with me. I make the decision if I want to be a vessel of honor or a vessel of one that just does menial tasks. You can choose. Isn't that amazing? So God's not just picking favorites and go, oh, I like you. Yeah, honorable purposes. Uh, I don't really like you so much. Uh, just a lot of issues. Uh, menial tasks. He doesn't do that. And so when I'll just read it here from the, the Message Bible. It says, in a well-furnished kitchen, there are not only crystal goblets and silver platters, but there are also waste cans and compost buckets. So does anybody want to be a compost bucket? No, thank you. <laughs> anybody? Oh, I'm just willing to be a compost bucket. No, nobody wants that. Right? Be honest with yourself. And he says, some containers are used to serve fine meals, others to take out the trash. Yeehaw. Become the kind of container that God can use to present any and every good gift or every kind of gift to his guests for their blessing. So it relies on me, right? Say it's me. It's me. It's not you. It's me. <laughs> so what we're seeing here, becoming the kind of container. So this isn't talking about you trying to attain righteousness, you trying to attain holiness. God already did, already did that in the first yes. What he's talking about, as we read in the Amplified Bible, it says whoever separates himself from what is ignoble, from what is going on out here, and we talked about that last week, the setting apart time. Whoever sets himself apart from what's going on out there and is totally available to God, he will be a vessel that God is able to use and do mighty things through in this earth. That's what I want to be. Anybody else want to do that? So then it comes back to you and I. We got to make some decisions on our part and we got to push through some things, right? Okay, let's continue on. So now here, and I'll just, before I, before I mention this, you know, just the fact that God is talking to us about this gets me excited because he wants to do more through you and I. Like, don't just kind of go like, this is not something I'm going, I'm, I, I'll just tell you from my own personal self, it's not like I'm, you know, got my hand in a bucket and I'm going, oh, this is what we should be talking about on church on Sunday. 
I've been, I spent a lot of time just, Lord, what do you want to, I spent so much time in prayer finding out, God, what do you want to say? What do you want to do? And I just heard this word available come up in my heart. And as I started studying this word available in all different kind of contexts and things, this is the messages that I'm getting. So God is clearly trying to get something to us that we see it. So what you hear, don't kind of go on. Oh, yeah, just, you know, this is what we're talking about. No, this is a word for you. This is exactly where we are at as a church family. God wants us to become the kind of container that he can use to present every and any kind of good gift to serve to his guests. This city needs to get served in a proper way. You, know that? you got served in the movie? I love that movie. And I want to be able to say like when we're done here, you got served. And they'd be like, yeah, that was awesome. And how are we going to do that? By separating ourselves to him. Right. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Woo. Is that my own? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, let's continue on. So, what is the second yes? What is it? What are the attributes of the second yes? The very beginning, it, it's a yes that threatens the kingdom of darkness. Now, don't get me wrong. When you say yes the first time, Hell started losing some things. Absolutely. But there is something. I remember hearing different ministers talk about, man, when the, the devil, when, when you wake up, I want him to scream, shoot, he's up. I want him to be scared of me. Is the devil scared of you? Sometimes. I'm not scared of him. I want him to be scared of me. It's time we flip that. Rather than, oh, I don't know what the devil... No, 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 no. <laughs> he's scared of what I do. And the more consecrated, the more set apart I am to God, the more he's going to pee his pants. And that's what I'm looking for. He's going to wear diapers when he comes around me. Everybody here. Rather than people saying, oh, this is what he's trying to do. Trying to scare everybody out here. This area, what's going on? No, 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 no. We're turning that flow. He's going to be scared of us. Anytime people walk in this area, they're going to go, what is going on somewhere around here? It's their separated people unto God to do a strong task that people, when they come in the presence, they go, something's different about here. It's because we're separated. Uh, okay. That was my grunt with a dry throat. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. It's a yes that threatens the kingdom of darkness and a yes that advances the kingdom of God. It's an all-in yes. It's a yes that goes beyond feelings and it goes beyond emotions. It goes beyond. This is a yes that is unmoved no matter what the devil throws my way. My yes doesn't change based on what I see or experience out here. My yes is today, and it's going to be the exact same yes tomorrow. The same tenacity that I'm saying yes on Sunday, January 12th, is going to be the same tenacity and passion that I say January 13th. I'm saying yes. I'm going all in for this, and I'm unmoved. What people say, what they think, what others throw my way, what kind of financial thing, what kind of health thing, regardless, I am saying yes. This is the type of yes, I'm just explaining what it's like. All right, continue on. It's a yes that positions me now to be a vessel for Jesus to use in these last days. The same way that the devil needs vessels, the devil can't just come in this earth and do whatever he wants. Why? He's a spirit being. And spirit beings aren't allowed to be here without a body. That's why you're here. That's why if you don't have a body, you can't be here. Right? How many are you here this morning? It's because you got a body, right? Now, the same way that the enemy needs a body to operate with, the Lord needs a body that he can operate with. There is spiritual laws that no, nobody can break. God can't even break them. So that's why he's needing you and I are yes, so that he can get involved in this earth. 
Cool. Now, next, it's a yes that leads to the fulfilling life, one that you can never make happen for yourself. If you're living going, and oh man, just life is kind of blah to me, let me encourage you, saying this deeper second yes will change that for you. Fulfillment is found in the second yes. All those that said a deeper second yes, hello, yeah, this, it is. I can tell you from my own personal life, this deeper second yes is fulfilling. Is it always easy? Is it always desirable? No, but it is absolutely worth every part of it. <laughs> cool. So now what is this yes? There's two things that I want to mention. Two purposes or explanations of what this second yes is. Number one, this yes is the setting apart of our lives to be like Christ. <clears throat> now again, Jesus is the standard for our living. Nobody in this room is the standard for how we live a godly life. We look to Jesus, right? He's the standard. He's the ultimate now, the main thing I'm noticing, the more set apart that I am, I become a move of God in my region. I become a move of God in my family. I become a move of God in my business. I become a move of God wherever I go. Is my me being set apart for Jesus, I am a move of God. Now, rather than looking and people kind of waiting, maybe we could, if I go to a special conference, maybe I'll see something. Stop. We're not looking for that. Why? I am that. I'm not looking for a move of God. I don't need to go to some special place in order to experience a revival or something taken happen. You know what a revival's for? Dead people. If you are dead, you need to get revived. If you're alive, why do you need to be revived? So what am I? I am the move of God on this earth. Why don't you say that with me? I am the move of God in Red Deer. How does that feel? That's who I am. When I go into Walmart, guess what? There's a move of God happening. Huh? Nile 9, by the butter. I'm walking down there. That's how you need to see yourself rather than, oh, I'm just waiting for somebody special or maybe God will anoint some special people. No, you is anointed. This is what I've been talking to my boys about recently. Who's anointed? I didn't say annoying. Who is anointed? <laughs> the boys will say, I'm anointed. To do what? To do good. This is what I'm anointed to do, to go around and do good. So the more set apart that I am to Jesus, the more and more the move of God that we see in this realm. So done, like people always saying, oh, if I could just get to that meeting. Forget about that. You are the move of God. Why? Where's the spirit of God living now? He's in me. The same one that's in me is in you. The same one that was in, you know, Billy Graham is inside of you. Nothing changes. So we got to pick up some of these things and go, oh, I, it's a realization. This is what's going on. This is who I already am. I am the move of God. All right. That's number one. This is a setting apart of our lives to be like Christ. And then secondly, this yes is following his plan for our lives. So the more that we are set apart for him, the more clearer life gets. People are wondering, what's my next step? What do I got to be doing? Well, how set apart are you looking like him? People are trying to jump the gum too quick. Oh, I need to know what God planned for my life. It becomes easier and easier. The more that you set yourself apart, meaning the more you take on his way of thinking, the more you take on his way of living, his way of doing things, life becomes clearer and clearer. You cannot experience God's ways and how he does things without living God's ways or doing his things. 
It's just, it's kind of simple, right? It's not complicated, but people try to be praying, oh God, what's, what do you want me to do? Well, let me encourage you. That's, that's great. God can reveal things. But if you start focusing your life, I'm going to be set apart. Uh, God, how do you see this situation? God, what do you think regarding this? What do you think regarding money? What do you think regarding health? What do you think regarding the peace? Or what do you think regarding what's going on out here? Let him start to change the way that you think. And it becomes clearer and clearer. Why? Because you're taking on his mind. This is what we need. We need his mind, not just, oh God, I need something. And all of a sudden it doesn't come. Well, I guess I'm just going to continue life that way it is. Don't be okay with that. There's Jesus paid too high of a price for you not to know things. Okay, let's continue on. <clears throat> so what's the transition that takes place between the yeses? So I got yes number one and yes number two. So what is the flip then between one and two? And it's just this one word, and we already sang it this morning. It's in the word surrender. Everybody say surrender. Now, as I said last week, one of the goals for my life even is I want to deepen my yes. How do I deepen my yes? Well, the Lord just shared this with me. The more that you're, the deeper your surrender, the deeper your yes. The deeper your surrender, the deeper your rest, your yes. So let's talk a little bit about this word surrender. What does it mean? How do we do it? Let's just talk about that. Everybody doing all right? Okay, let's do it. Hoorah, surrender. Now, when you hear the word surrender, what do you think of? White flag, right? You see maybe a boxer throwing a white towel. He's done, man. He ain't ain't doing it anymore. He's out. Somebody raises their hands. You know, Josh will come running up to you. Hands up. Surrender. Don't shoot. Don't hit me. Don't beat me. Whatever it is. Just just don't hurt me. What are you doing? You are, and I'll just give you the definition for this. You are ceasing to resist. So when Josh comes running up to me and says, hands up. What I could do is I could turn around and say, let's go at it. Let's do this. And what I'm doing, I'm not ceasing to resist. I am putting up a fight, right? And he's got one of those batons that really hurts. <laughs> do you got it with you? He's just saying, he's saying. <laughs> Taser? Yeah, okay, yeah, come on. <laughs> no matter what it is, if, if somebody says, hands up, let me tell you, if an officer saying, just do it, just put your hands up, <laughs> right? So what are you doing? You are ceasing to resist and you are now submitting to an authority. So when you are surrendering to God, you are ceasing to do your own thing. You are ceasing to making my own stuff. I want to do this. I want to, I want to, and you are now submitting to God's authority, which is his thinking, God's living, God's lifestyle, God's words. I'm submitting to something. That means I'm coming under something. Everybody say submit. submit. Look at your neighbor and say submit. Now, who are we submitting to? To God. We are submitting to his way of doing things. This is huge. This is big. Submitting. Nobody likes to submit. Why? Well, because I want things done my way. Right? Or even that. I've had people, I I I know how to do things better. Doesn't matter. Are you an authority to say anything? No. Shut up. Right? And this is one thing we're actually going to be talking about soon is actually just everything in the kingdom of God is backwards to what we are in the culture today. Where the world says, you know, take your own. You, you got this. Man, you're above all this. No, you ain't. You ain't got nothing. So what are we? We are submitting. We are ceasing to resist. And now we are submitting to God's authority. This is, um, this is talking about surrender. So I'm going to ask you this question. How surrendered are you? If you can define success this year, a deeper yes, how surrendered are you? 
to God's way of thinking, to God's plan for your life? How surrendered are you to God's ways of doing life? Or are you just going, well, this is the culture I came from. This is what my mom and dad taught me. This is the culture that I was born in. This is what school or education taught me. These are what politicians say. Are you willing to surrender those views, those thoughts, ideas, to come under and say, God, what do you say? That's, that's the depth of really of our usefulness to him. How surrendered are we? And I want to just give you a really cool example. I, I heard this from a, a gentleman that was here. Kevin Durant. Anybody remember Kevin Durant? They're awesome. I love those guys. Uh, they came here. He actually, he told me this story um, about Catherine Kuhlman. Everybody heard Catherine Kuhlman? You can watch some of her videos on YouTube. She is awesome. She's weird. She's like one whole crazy package. Uh, like it's so fun to watch her a little bit. And uh, so this Kevin Durant was actually telling me about a minister friend that he had. And then had the opportunity to go to a couple of her meetings before she passed away. And in this meeting, this other minister was there and he was complaining about her. Like what? Like, God, why do you use her? Look at how she dresses. Look at how she does her hand thingy. Look, look at how she talks. Like, ugh, why? why? And you know what the Lord said to him? So he was sitting in the throne, and the Lord said to him, I want you to turn to this gentleman that's sitting next to you, and I want you to tell him, if you don't change your secret life in the next six months, you'll be dead. And he's like, I, I don't even know the man. I'm not going to do that. That I have no idea who this is. No way. But a few minutes later, Catherine Kuhlman came on. She started ministering. Then she stopped and she pointed to the man sitting next to the minister. And she said, if you don't change the way that you're living your secret life in six months, you'll be dead. And the Lord spoke to this minister. That's why. That's why. What's why? How surrender. What are you willing to do for God? Because God is willing to use whosoever. But it's more so, how surrendered are you? Will you say something? Will you do something? Will you act some way in order for him to be able to use you the way that he wants to? That decision lies up to you. She is just a vessel that was completely open to God. Why were people attracted to her? Trust me, it's not because of her natural abilities or the clothes that she wears. It's something about that person that surrendered to God that you can't help but go, oh, there's something about, I want that. What is it? It's a surrenderedness to God. Everybody wants what you see these people operating in, right? Everybody want to operate in the gifts of the spirit. I do. Guess what? It requires boldness to step out. And guess what? You may fail at it. Oh, I don't know how well I look. That's the problem. As long as you keep thinking about how you look and what other people think, that's going to limit your availability to God. Because listen, as we read last week, anybody that's going to live godly in this earth will suffer persecution. Yes, it comes from the world, but guess where it mainly, com mainly comes from? Church folk. Religious folk. Who would just start questioning everything you say, everything that you do. Forget about it. I'm going to waste my time with that because I'm more interested in living a surrendered life to him than anything else. Amen? Is that you? Yeah, no, I know. I'm just asking. Okay. So what is surrender? It is ceasing to resist and submitting to an authority. Now I'm talking about this because I want us to go to the next level. All right. This is what we're, we're discussing this. There's more to it than just, oh, talking about surrender. No, please, please hear this with ears to hear going to the next level in your relationship with the Lord and your availability to him. I want to be able to be used by God in a greater capacity than I ever have before. I desire that. Anybody else? Then this is what we do. Okay, the next part of this thing is the next question is, where does surrender begin? Surrendering begins in the heart. It begins here. It actually is an attitude you are cultivating. 
When I say the word cultivating, what should that bring? It's you're actually digging. You're, when anybody cultivates the ground, it's effort. It requires, you know, intentionality. It requires determination. I am going to cultivate this attitude of a fear of the Lord. What is that? Not, I'm not scared of God. I'm scared to be away from Him. So where people, you know, Christian world are trying to see how far they can get to sin without sin to Jesus. It is impossible. What I'm talking about here, this attitude is you are running completely away from all that because there is something greater over here. This is what we're talking about, is this attitude, this hunger, this spirit, this fear of the Lord, that I don't want to see how close I can just dabble in sin and get away with. No, 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 no. Fear the Lord. So it's giving up something here for something that's even better. This is the attitude that we're cultivating. Right? It's the fear of the Lord. And I'll just show you this first Samuel 16, 7. It begins in my heart. So it's not, hey, stop the porn addiction, stop the alcohol, stop. hidden inside the heart and i want to show you some of these examples because god's not even though we you have people may have issues that they're working out and hey everybody's got issues it's okay but here's the thing is are you moving to a place of just are you submitting to it and saying there's just nothing i can do about this are you saying lord i want out help me with this and the lord is so good he will but what is he looking at he's not looking at natural issues and problems all the time what people focus on, and they're like focusing on, oh, this is the problem that I have, and this is the problem that so-and-so has. He ain't looking at that. What's he looking at? Come on, what's he looking at? The heart. Oh, like, dude, how much do you bench? Like, he's just jacked. Right? He's just huge. And Eliab's probably like, stop, Samuel, and just flexing a little bit. And the Lord says and speaks up to Samuel. What does he say? Don't judge by his appearance. Right? Or his height. Notice the next four words. I have rejected him. Those are big words. Oh, God doesn't reject people today. No, not according to those that are coming into the kingdom of God. Absolutely. They're, God will cast out no man. What we are talking about is your availability to him. I have rejected him, not as a person, as king of Israel. 
Now, I don't want God rejecting me as pastor of a local church. Do you know why? I'm replaceable. We can think, oh, nobody can do what you do. No, that's not true. Somebody could do this way better than I could. But so what does God need? He needs my availability. He needs my surrender. The only difference that we see people doing amazing things for God is not because there's a special thing on them. It's because how surrendered and available are you to them? That's it. It's not about how cool and how sweet, you know, Chessie's got. It has nothing to do with that. How pretty her hair is, right? Or how well she can sing. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with the Lord doesn't see things the way that people see them. So obviously that notice there, it's not that we forget just the natural elements because people are carnal. That's why we need to have nice stuff. Why? Because if you have a rundown shack, nobody's going to come to it. Why? Let's look at this. This is the absolute truth. Why? Because people judge by outward appearance. So that's why, yeah, we have a standard. We have, we look good. We look presentable. We don't look like we're walking to Walmart every single day. Why? Because people do judge by the outward appearance. Oh, am I saying something that's out of line? Oh, I love Walmart. Oh, absolutely. But I'm saying, do I need to clarify that? Okay. Do I need to clarify? Julian, are you okay? You're okay. Okay. He's okay. <laughs> Julian's all right. So we'll continue on. But you pick up what I'm throwing down. Because who am I here? I'm an ambassador for the Lord. So what are people looking at? They're looking at the natural appearance. So if we have everything run down, imagine that there's no toilet paper in the stalls. Oh, Jesus. What would you do? Huh? Not only that too, but what if it was one ply? Can you guys maybe buy two double ply or something? Can you... What is it? The natural things, they mean something. It's not like God's ignoring them. God's interested in it. But I'm just saying, I got to get on from this. Are we we okay? Is anybody offended that I need to clarify this with? Okay. You're all okay. We look good for the kingdom of God. Okay. Anywho, people judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord, what does he do? He looks to the heart. So this is what he's focusing in on. So no matter where you came from, the good news is, no matter how tough may things may be and no matter what your bank account looks like, God's not looking at that. What is he looking at? Can I use the heart of this man? Am I able to shape it? Am I able to, able to put my hand on him and able to in, infuse my thoughts into his thinking? Am I able to imprint my heart into him so that he loves people the same way that I do, even though they do dirty things to him? Is he able to do that? Right? That's what we're looking for. This is what God is looking for. The next verse, 2 Chronicles 16.9. Again, to show you this, click, guys, real quick. It goes like this. uh, For the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth. So this morning, what is God doing? His eyes are searching the entire earth to strengthen those whose what? Whose hearts are what? Fully committed to who? To him. Fully committed to him. He's not asking for 99%. He's looking for 100% commitment to him. And does he, let me just ask you this. Does he deserve it? Is he asking for too much? No. What he's asking for is absolutely easy to give. Why? Because if I understand really what Jesus came and did for me, absolutely, I'm able to give my life for him. Now look at this. Now this, the surrender is really, again, it's a heart issue. It's an inner response to an intimate invitation, right? When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this invitation came out to you and I. Look at this, Psalm 27. It says, Lord, when you said to me, seek my face, my 
inner being responds. So again, this is not an external response that you're saying. This is an internal drive that you make on the inside saying, yes. I'm saying yes. And what does he do? I'm seeking your face with all my heart. So whether you've heard this audibly or whether you've heard this in your heart, let me just encourage you. If you've never heard this invitation this morning, you are hearing this invitation to seek his face. Now it's your choice to say and respond from your inner being, Lord, I'm seeking your face with all my heart. This is part of the surrender aspect. Are you willing to put down a remote controller and pick up your word? Are you willing to put down something that's taking your time and going crazy? Not that there's anything wrong with any of this. Listen, there's, there's, there's ditches on both ends. You could go on one side and never, oh, you know, TVs are demonic. You can get weird like that. And on the other end, you do absolutely nothing. So what's the happy medium? Lord, I'm saying yes to you. And part of the time is the Lord may be saying it's time for you to get a little bit radical with this. That's when the season that I'm in right now is I need you to go a little bit deeper and get you a little bit radical in this. I'm okay with that. So what does that take? Am I willing to let something down to go for something that's better? I'm saying yes to that. Why? Because I want it. I've responded in my inner being to this response, seek my face. God said this to me. When did he say it? He said it to me right now. Psalm 27 verse 8. So my inner being is now responding, Lord, I am seeking your face. I'll do it. I'll do it. Anybody else saying that with me? I'll do it. I will do it. I'm not waiting for somebody else to do it. I, I'm going to do it. I'm not waiting for my wife to come alongside. No, I'm doing it. I'm not waiting for my kids to comply or till our schedule changes. No, no, no. I start now. Don't wait till all of a sudden the kids, you know, they're done soccer or they're, they're done baseball practice or done curling. Start now. You can seek God while you're at the curling rink. You can. Okay. I know I'm getting a little bit in your face, but I got to do it. Whatever I seek, I'm surrendered to. Something the Lord said to me yesterday when I was praying. Lord, he said this, whatever you are seeking, that's what you're surrendering yourself to. So now, what is surrender? It's ceasing to resist and submit to God's authority. Where does surrender begin? It begins in my heart. So it's now, and I'll go to the next part. What do I surrender? I'm surrendering everything in my secret or my hidden life. So it begins in my heart, but what am I surrendering? Everything in my hidden life. How I many know everybody's got a secret life? If your secret life is submitted to God, your private and your public life will be fine. <laughs> Think about that. You don't have a public life and you don't have a private life and they're two separate. Eventually, eventually, what's happening in private will show up in public. And that's why you see man, lots of ministers and you see a lot of you know, people in the body of Christ. What happened to them? How did this pastor fall? And he had a mega church. How could, how could somebody do that? Very easy. If the private life is not guarded and protected, it will eventually show out in the public life. So you see somebody that fell on December the 1st, 2019? No, 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 no. It actually began November 1st of 2016. But listen, God is so gracious. He will work with people. He, God is long-suffering. He will work and comply and do everything he can to pull somebody back in. But over time, if it's nothing's changed, eventually it's exposed. And you know what? That's the mercy of God. Really. So let me just encourage you. Let's get this private life right. You don't have two lives. It's one life. 
So if I can guard and protect my private life, my public life, I'll have nothing to be embarrassed about. I won't. And even to this day, I have nothing to be embarrassed about. Well, how can you say that? Because my private life is focused and built on seeking the Lord. I responded, Lord, I'm seeking your face with all my heart, my inner being. Now, why is it my heart? Why is it the inner being? Because Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, it says, above all. We say, above all. <laughs> above all. Not when you get around to it. He's saying, above all, guard the affections of your heart your innermost being. Why? Because they affect all that you are. It affects it. Everything that the enemy's trying to do, he's trying to get into your heart. He'll do it by, and the biggest thing is offense. The devil will use anybody he can to say a word, to do a deed, or not say something, and not do a deed, to offend somebody, because once you get an offended heart, it'll be affect all that they are. I'm a Christian. Yeah, but you sure ain't acting like it. Well, how can you say that? It's because your heart got affected. Offense isn't just something, oh, I'm going to, that person got to apologize to me first. It, even if they are in the wrong, let me encourage you. The heart has got to be guarded. This is why he's telling you, let it go. Why? Because it's going to affect how you serve. It's going to affect how you talk. It's going to affect how you think. The effect all that you are is right in here. So this is why he's saying, above all, guard it. And then he goes on to say, Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being. Why? For from these flows the wellspring of life. <laughs> the same way that you and I go to a doctor for a regular checkup. Right? The doctor tells you to cough. <laughs> you cough. The doctor tells you to open up. Uh, you, you're doing the regular checkups. That's great. But this is what God is telling you. Pay attention to what's going on on the inside. Because if you take care of the inside, your health will be okay. You know, stress is not an outside thing. Stress is a heart condition. Literally, it can kill you. People, you can actually look at medical science and they talk to you. Doctors will explain that anxiety and stress kills people more than cancer. You can see it. It's absolutely, you, you, I got a report I can show you. It says it right in there. So what is that? It's the enemy is doing everything he can to affect the heart of a person. And that's why the, the proverb tells us you've got to pay attention to what's going on the inside. Somebody says something nasty to you, notice it hurts. What do you do? Oh, I'm going to just bury it. And I'm gonna just, no. no, deal with it. Acknowledge, go, you know what, that actually really hurts. And then talk to them about it. Hey, what you said there, that actually really, you know, that made me mad. Okay, then you can move on. And if they don't even want to talk to you about it, now what do you do? Now I say, Lord, I'm going to give this over to you. This, this hurt me, but Lord, I, you, you're my comfort. So Lord, I just, I forgive them. I release that statement. I release that deed. Why? Because I'm guarding my heart. It's too precious for you to hold on to. Why? It's going to affect all that you are. It's going to affect your parenting. My kid's getting spanked because of I'm offended at what somebody else did. Who's getting it? They are. That's, is that right? No, it's not right. Or I'm treating my wife met, you know, horribly because somebody said this to me. So what do I do? Oh, I'm angry. So rather than talking to them or giving it to the Lord, now I come at her about it. Is that right? No. Well, you know, we're partners. We do things together. No, 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 no. That's not even fair. That's not right. Let me move on here. Let's continue on. Everybody still happy? Good. I'm happy. Okay. <laughs> 
You know, I don't have this verse on the screen, but I want you to go to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Just let's read this together. But what do I surrender? I'm surrendering everything in my secret life. I'm surrendering it, letting it go. I'm, I'm bringing it to God. And I want to show you this verse, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And I'm going to read it to you from the New Living Bible. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. So this body that I have, who does it belong to? It belongs to God because of all that he's done for me. He purchased this body with his own blood. He purchased it, <laughs> right? My next blink belongs to him. It's his, it's his. It belongs to him. Next, he goes on to say, let them, talk about your bodies, let your bodies be a living and holy sacrifice. Okay, we've heard this many times before. What is a sacrifice? You're surrendering. It's something that you're giving, right? Are we giving God a deadbeat sacrifice? Are we killing a little goat and throwing it on an altar? No. What is he asking for in the New Testament? He's asking for your body, your will, your plans, your thinking, your dreams. He wants them on the altar. When? Once in a while? No. Every single day. Let me just show you. I'll continue reading on. Let them be a holy and living sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. So worship is not a song. Worship has nothing to do with it. What is worship? Worship is me taking my desires, taking my dreams, taking my plans, and putting it on an altar where I'm squirming, where I'm, oh, oh, here it is, God. And God able and having this free access to, to burn it, to ignite it, to bring more passion to it, to change it, or to even give you new ones. This is the place that it happens. There's got to be a sacrifice position where you and I are constantly meeting the Lord. And where do we do this? For me, I do this. Uh, the, one of the things the Lord told me is not neglecting the Sabbath. Now, the Sabbath is not just a day for me. It's every day. Taking 30 to an hour, 30 minutes to 60 minutes a day where I go before the Lord and I actually start presenting everything I have, everything I am onto this altar. Lord, if there's anything that needs changing, we do it right here. Burn it up if you need to. Ignite it in me if you need to. This is one thing, you know, this is a couple weeks ago, I went to a, a pastor's day in Calgary. And this is one of the things that this, this minister was talking to us pastors about. And he was saying one of the things the Lord showed him a while back ago was the importance of, of sacrifice, really, when it comes down, he's using ministry terms, but you could also do this for your personal life. That I have to constantly bring my vision for this local church and I have to constantly put it on the altar if God wants to reveal another thought to it to me or if he just wants to change it or if he wants to embed more of it on the inside of me. He has to be able to do that somewhere. Where can he do that? It's right here. So this is something that I've done not only with the church but also for my personal life is I bring everything I am. The Message Bible says, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your eating, your sleeping, your going to work, your playing with your kids, you know, driving in your car. I want you to take everything that you are and place it before God as an offering. This is what we do is we place it before Him. And the Bible says this is how we worship. This is how we worship Him. 
Not just, oh, we praise you. Yeah, you know what it becomes easier to sing? Is when you live a life that is sacrificial to Him. It's easier. Let's take a moment. Oh, okay. Let the sweat dry off a little bit. Okay, everybody, we're still okay. God is trying to get something across to you. What is it? So I have to constantly bring it before the Lord. And at this time, this is where the Lord, in my sacrificial time, is when the Lord's talking to me rather than spanking my kids out of anger versus spanking them out of love. Is that that altar? Why? Again, what does the word do? The word is to correct us. The word is to train us. So we have to constantly be going back to this thing to find out what he says. Okay, let me continue on here. I know everybody's fine. I just, you're taking it in. Now, what does surrender look like? I mentioned this, surrender begins or being made available begins in obscurity. Surrender begins when I'm alone. So don't neglect alone time with God. You cannot neglect that. That is probably the most important thing for the Christian today is to have alone time with God daily. Practice it. Even if it's five minutes, practice something. You've got to practice this lifestyle. It's vital for you. And as we go ahead and as times get crazy and nuts out there, we have got to be able to come back to this place of the altar and allow the Lord to start revealing who he is to us. Listen, the world needs it. The world doesn't need another barbecue to invite them to. They need to see someone who is completely ignited by Jesus himself. And that's my second yes. This is what I'm saying yes to, right? Okay. Um, here's the thing. Making, this is what the Lord said. Make solitude, not isolation, a daily practice in your life. Isolation is never okay. Remember what God said in Genesis? It is not good for man to be alone. Man, is it good for you to be alone? Jesus, when my mama left, we had KFC for like six, seven days in a week. <laughs> Mama, don't ever leave again. Although it was awesome to eat that food. <laughs> but it's not good for men to be alone. <laughs> you want to hear kind of a funny story, actually? My dad had a, just Javen and I, I think you were in Victoria with Chloe. And Javen and I, we were, we got, we were at Pastor Sheila's house. And uh, my dad had a meeting that went late. And I, I don't know what all the details, but he actually, I think he forgot us. We were there. And <laughs> you know what's so awesome? We got, a, we got new socks and new underwear because my dad, we're not going to do the laundry. I don't know. How the, we don't got time for that. Let's just go to Walmart. We'll buy some socks. We'll buy some. So I got all this new gear. It all says George on it. But hey, it's all new gear. I'm fine with that. But I remember that just being real funny. And then my mom came. I'm like, Mom, I got no shirts. <laughs> so it's not good for man to be alone. <laughs> but isolation is never okay. Don't isolate yourself from people. That's something that you do. Just that, that's stupid. Stop it. I don't know how else to say it. If you were just, oh, I like to be by myself, or even if it's a self-sulking or stop it, that will absolutely kill you. Become an island to yourself, and you are easy prey for the enemy to just nip and take. Don't do it. That's where you see people that are committing suicide in the church. Stop it. Find somebody. Reach out to somebody. Talk to somebody. Why? Because isolation will kill you, but alone with God will not. Aloneness with God, this going away to be with God, will actually strengthen you and give you vision. It's vital. Where does God speak to me the most? I get more of my time alone with God than I do in any big conference. The big conferences really are just, you know, to, I can see it get with other believers, and sometimes it even will confirm the things that I heard in private. But if we're not hearing in private, don't expect to hear in public. 
You can get a word and God will reach you however he can, but don't neglect the aloneness with God. It's vital. You can't just be group dating with God all the time. That's the only person that you can go and have an alone, intimate date with, right? We got all the group dates now. That's, that's great. But don't just make group dating with God. That's what you do. No, I have aloneness with God and I have my own bedroom with him where it's just me and him and he starts revealing stuff and woo, he looks good. You got to get with him. I'm in. Okay. <clears throat> um, let me just continue on here. Okay, let's talk about this. We'll finish off with this. So we discussed what is surrender. Everybody good with that? We are ceasing to resist and we're submitting to God. Where does surrender begin? In my heart. What do I surrender? My private life. That's what I'm surrendering. Right? Because if I take care of the private, the public will be looking after. Next. What does surrender look like? It's in solitude. You know, one thing, you know, I said this last night. I think it's, I'm going to bring it back up again. Don't let obscurity, being alone or being hidden even from God, scare you or frustrate you. Did you know that being hidden for a time is actually a blessing? Where the culture today is demanding, let me see your public life. Let me see your social media. Let me see what you're posting. Let me see what you're doing with your family. Let me see all this stuff that we always got to be seeing and we always got to prove it to post it, right? We always got to prove, okay, we're, hey, hey, we're happy. And then meanwhile, my private life, I'm hurting. Alone with God, if you're being hidden from God, awesome. If you're thinking, oh, I should be getting that promotion. Oh, I should be having this. I should, I should be higher up than I am right today. There may be a time and season where you're actually hidden, and that's a good thing. Let me give you an example. My wife right now is producing a baby. I don't want, she don't want, nobody want to see that baby before full term. Why? So what's the baby right now growing? Is anybody able to see the baby growing its fingernails, its eyelashes, and all those kind of things? No. Why? It's hidden in obscurity. In obscurity is where development happens. This is where it's taking place. My baby child in there, boy or girl, they're twins, no twins, triplets, whoever is in there is growing and it's getting all of its limbs now so that when it comes out, I know, go, what? I'm able to go, there's my baby, Joel Jr., there you are. (laughs) Still working on that. But I don't want to see that baby before full term. You don't want to get married before you're ready. You don't want to buy a house before you're ready. <laughs> you don't want to step out in what God told you to do until you're ready. Well, God's called me to do this. God's called me. Obscurity is where development happens. It comes from being alone with God. And when you're ready, God will know and he'll open a door. If you try to fast track that thing, how many of you got a big vision? Let me encourage you. Big visions take long time. It's okay. Just let it simmer. Let God in obscurity continue to be who he is to you. Let him train you. Let him teach you. Let him coach you. That's just for fun. Okay, let's throw that out there. Now, lastly is, um, I guess this ties in real well. So we're going to surrender now to the process of being set apart. Being set apart is a process. It doesn't just happen in one day. It doesn't just happen from listening to a series. It doesn't happen to listening to a sermon. Oh, now I'm set apart for God. It's a process. It's not just one time getting alone with God. And oh, I'm set apart now. Oh, God told me something real good. And now I'm ready to go. No, you ain't. How do you even incorporate that into your life? Something God told me years ago, I'm finally starting to see. (laughs) Slow down. Anyways, continuing on. Surrender to the process. Being set apart is a process. 
Say it with me. It's a process. Being set apart to look like Jesus, to be like him, to think like him, it's a process. Because the more you start thinking like him, the more, or start being with him, the more you start to think like him. It's a process. Let the time take over with it. The process of being a set apart isn't always fun. It isn't always easy. Here's the thing. It's not even always convenient, right? Oh, I had a busy day at work. Well, what do I want to do? I want to eat dinner in front of the game. That's what I want to do. There may, and listen, there's, there's times that that's great. Go for it. But there may be times when the spirit of God on the inside of you is prompting and saying, I need you to come away with me for a little bit. Come, come be with me a little bit. What does he want to do in that obscurity? He wants to start revealing himself. Don't neglect the bedroom with him or wherever it is. It's a chair. It's a closet. Find somewhere. Now, in between the results that you have in your life and the results that you were going to see in your life is a knife. I'm going to repeat that so somebody can get excited. Between the results you have and you've experienced and the results that you were going to experience, talking about the fruit that you have yet to bear, guess what it is? It's a knife. It's a pruning that takes place. Do you know how you go from glory to glory? With a knife. Do you know how to go from grace to grace? With a knife. Do you know how you go from faith to faith? With a knife. There is a pruning that takes place Every single time there is a transition from what I'm doing right now to the next level for me, guess what it is? It isn't just glory and all fun. It requires a change in me. Anytime you want to go to that next level, change is required. And I'll just show you this, John 15, just to make it prove it that it's Christian. <laughs> now, here's the thing. When you bear fruit or when you have or when you overcome uh, an obstacle or you overcome a challenge guess what the reward is for completing that challenge the next challenge <laughs> oh man yeah but here's the thing you get better as you get pruned as you start to look like him those challenges which seem so big to you if you allow the process to take place those things when they come again you got i've already got that notch on the belt i've already passed that, that that's easy now Anybody have some challenges that just seem easy now? Three people. Okay, then, Lord, we got some challenges that are coming our way. I'm not prophesying that, but listen, you have to look at challenges flipping the flow rather than going, oh, dear God, another one? Look at it going, ah, here's a great opportunity. I'm going to pass this thing with flying colors so that I can bear more fruit. There's so much more fruit that's left to come out of you. Don't just stop with where you're at. Look, Jesus said this. This is Jesus speaking, so it's Christian, right? <laughs> he said, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes, say it with me, and he, and he, and he, come on now, and he, and he prunes, he prunes. What is he pruning? The branches. And if you read on in this chapter, who are the branches? We are. We're producing fruit. So what is he going to do? He's going to prune the branches. That's pruning me. He's going to prune me that do bear fruit so that I will produce even more. This is what God's will is for your life, is even more. So you've experienced joy, you've experienced peace, you've experienced blessing of any kind to a certain degree. His plan for you is to produce even more. Well, how is he going to do that? Pruning. Everybody get your scissors out. Pruning. Now here's the cool thing about our God. Our God knows exactly how to prune every single one of you properly. Now listen, my mama is a big gardener. Aren't you, mama? She's dangerous when it comes to gardening. 
And if she ever asks you, hey, could you watch after our place while we're gone? Say yes. The second yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. <laughs> She's got a ton of plants, but here's the cool thing. She knows how to cut branches so that it produces, it makes it look pretty, but it produces even more. Now, if you gave me that same knife, I would kill that branch. <laughs> Start cutting it. Mom, I, I tried pruning your, your garden and it's, it's all gone. Sorry. <laughs> but in the hands of a skilled gardener, someone who knows the flowers, I mean, she's not, you know them. You know the names of them. How intimate are you with the flowers? <laughs> Say it again. Pretty intimate. Say it a little bit more. <laughs> pretty intimate. Oh, pretty intimate. Pretty intimate. She, I mean, she, she, oh, yeah, she won an award. She's got a plaque. Participation, Participation award. <laughs> so everybody in the church, is that an actual reward or is that just... Hey, you participated. Well done. <laughs> she got a participation award, which is more than I've ever gotten. So I've never, but in the hands of a skilled gardener, that knife is a vital tool for that plant or that tree to produce everything that was in that seed. You put it in my hands, it's destructive. Now, here's the wonderful thing about our father. He knows every single branch that is his. And this tool, this word that he uses, he doesn't use trials. He doesn't use, you know, all these testings and difficult times. He doesn't use sickness and disease. He is a skilled gardener who uses his word and he knows how to carve you exactly where you're at so that you're able to produce even more. And he knows what level you're at. You may be at level one. He knows how to get you to level two. He'll just cut off a little bit here and say, I need you to see this. And he starts oh, bending your will. He starts taking this thinking that you got, I need that to change. And you're laying on that altar. Oh God, I don't like any of this. He said, no, no, just shut up and take it. Just, you, you need this. You need this to help you. And you may go, it hurts. It's just so terrible. I don't like any of this. Submit to the cuts. Rather than looking at it as some sort of curse or can't believe God's letting me go through this. God's, he's not letting anything happen. He's letting it all happen, I should say. Submitting to it. Rather than seeing it going, oh God, what's going on here? Go, Lord, how can, or what are you doing? What do I need to recognize in this? And allow him to grow you up in it. I'm ready to go to the next level. And what's the next level? It requires pruning. Amen. Last verse I have on there, John 15, 3. You have already been pruned and purified by the message that I give you. So his message, and this, I'll finish with this. This is why it's so vital for you and I as believers, we have to get in the Bible. The Bible isn't just a Christian book that Christians read. We get into this because it's our life. We get into it because this is where God teaches us. This is where he corrects us when we're wrong. This is how he exposes a rebellion. Listen, we need this. So if I haven't been corrected for a little while, clearly my Christian life isn't being lived out. Oh, I know this ain't fun in Western culture, but this is the reality. This is how it is. If you're like, well, no, everything's supposed to be okay and God's supposed to just give me whatever I want. That's not the God that I serve. <laughs> Anytime that I wanted more, I had a bigger dream. Yeah, I get excited about the bigger dream, but I don't realize how big the cut's going to be. I'm seeing this. Oh, then the Lord started showing me some of these properties. I'm going, yeah! And right behind that goes, but I need you to change. Is there any other way, God? Can you just kapush and it's done? No, it requires a change on me. So listen, if you want to continue to grow in this, the deeper my surrender, the deeper the yes. 
And that is what I'm going for and saying, Lord, I'm going to surrender to the process because I know what you got planned for me is bigger than anything I can muster up for myself. It's worth every single prune up to this point in my life. And I haven't experienced it all. I mean, I've only experienced a few years in this and it has been hurts a bit. If it stings a little bit because I mean, be honest, I wanted to move. I wanted to go to New York. That opportunity was there and to live in Brooklyn. Come on now. Man, you can go to the Yankees games anytime you want. That's the thought that comes with it. I'm able to do this and manage. I'm able to do that. And I remember presenting it to the Lord and all the insights said, no, I want you here. What? But Lord, it's New York. Like the Big Apple, the NYC. This is what we do. I can get my white wrap on. I, mm, I can do my thing there. No. No, I need you here. So what is that? That is what I'm putting my will, my plans, my desires on the altar, and I allowed that to be burnt. And now, am I happy today? Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I don't even see myself living there. It was just a desire that happened for about a year. <laughs> but here's the thing, God, and this is what's so cool, but he gives you the desires of your heart. So it's not like he's going to just take away all these dreams. No, sometimes when you go to that altar, he'll start igniting those dreams in you again. You're not too old for a dream. You're not too old for a vision. Where does it come? It comes back going to this altar. Maybe part of your sacrifice is saying, Lord, I've given up on this thing a long time ago. You get to that altar, he will burn that thing back on the inside of you until you get going. And now you're ready to explode again. So it's not just sacrifice in the sense of, oh, I've given it all up. No, it also maybe he needs to get something into you at the same time. So as I said, we got to get into this word because if we're not in this word, there's no way for the pruning to happen. And this is, and listen, these are the number that the calls that I get on a regular basis is people not getting into this. And they say, Joel, can you pray for me? Can you fix this? I can't. Only the pruner can take care of that. There's nothing that I can do. I can pray. I can stand alongside you, but you've got to get in this and let him do it on the inside of you. I'm not God. I'm a vessel for him, but I'm not him. He's no how to do things that I can't do. And not last thing is we have got to start believing what he said. Rather than it just being, oh yeah, well God says don't, don't, don't be worried or don't be anxious. Don't that actually means stop it. That's not who you are. When are we going to believe this book? It starts today. Come on, say it with me. It starts today. If I want to start being going to that next level, it's not, oh, I'm going to read this. Oh, that was a nice little nugget. No, do you believe it? I'm, I'm, as I'm going through my yearly Bible plan, I'm stopping after some of the things that I read. I was reading Mark 9 this morning, and it actually says, all things are possible to those that believe. Now wait, do you believe that? Not just here. All things are possible to him that believes? Oh, look, what does that mean? Like that's, that's a huge statement. And to just kind of fling it out there, all things are possible. No, 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 I'm taking this on the inside. Burning it down on the inside of me, all things are possible to them that believe. Lord, I'm going to be that believer. I believe that. The psalmist said this in Psalm 119, I have taken your word and I've hidden it in my heart. This is what he does. He takes the word and what is he doing it? He's putting it down on the inside of him. He's not just leaving it here. Oh, yeah. And what happens when Christians are like this? They're dangerous. Well, I know this verse. I know that verse. There's no spirit attached to it. So what are you? A heady believer. Just giving your thoughts and opinions on this. And you're totally scripturally wrong. Sharing their theology, please don't. If it's here, don't share your theology because I guarantee you it's wrong. So what is he saying? I'm putting it down in my heart. I'm going to get it embedded on the inside of me. Why? So that I don't sin against you. 
Can you think about that? My sinning days could be over. <gasps> How can you say that? I put his word in my heart. Doesn't mean there'll be times I'll be, I'll be messing up. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not perfect. But I'm well on my way. As I start to put his word in my heart, I can start looking just like him. <laughs> Anyways, I better stop because otherwise I'll just keep going. My wife said I'm done. So that's, that's it. I'm done. The, whole, just kidding. the Holy Spirit said that's enough. That's enough. <laughs> no, but I, I want to encourage us this morning. This is time that we, we start going to that next level. Next week, I'm going to be sharing about the Holy Spirit. And I want to give, give you just a little tidbit for what's going to come. One thing about the Holy Spirit, the same way that everybody got an Apple phone or an Android, anytime you got an app and it's time for upload or a download, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He uploads and downloads things into you that only He can do. And we got to get intimate with Him. Hello again. Thank you for listening. And if you live in the central Alberta region of Canada, we would love to have you stop by for one of our weekend messages. For directions, service times, and more info on our amazing children's environments, visit us at impactlife.ca. That's impactlife.ca.